What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we are coming at you on this Thursday, one day before the suddenly very much anticipated Villanova at Michigan State matchup on Friday night. Hey, time heals all wounds, right? And it was yeah. only Monday that uh, that we were a little hot coming out of that uh, that Delaware State game. Uh, definitely came in with a little more uh, emotion than normal mm-hmm. on that podcast, but uh, I think that was a feeling of a lot of Villanova fans, and you got more of a raw reaction from the two of us, being that we did record so soon after uh, that game, just based on our recording schedule when we drop in all of that. But as you said, we are heading into a pretty huge game on, on Friday, which is very cool to be a part of the early season college basketball slate like that. Oh, definitely. And I, I mentioned to Pat right before we started, it's rare this early to feel like we have so much tape on the opposing team. I mean, I've Quality sat down too. right and watched the majority of Gonzaga, Michigan State and Michigan State, Kentucky, which was on Wednesday night. That was an absolute thriller. So I'm excited to talk about Michigan State. I mentioned the word suddenly at, in the intro because... I don't know if we thought this matchup was all that great just a few weeks mm-hmm. ago when we did our schedule preview. Now this feels like not make or break and not just a test somewhere in between that a really, really big opportunity, let's say for Villanova to show that they were just getting the rust off. The Kyle Neptune era is now fully grooving and they can go out and beat a really good team on the road. Who's already shown that they can compete with top five programs in the country. Hey, I, I can eat it. You know, when, when talking about this game, I, I looked at Michigan State and said it's been a couple down years for them uh, in a row, you know, just 11 and nine in the Big Ten a year ago. Uh, they did lose Max Christie to the NBA, who was a huge part of everything that they did from uh, just last season. So you looked at it and you said, I, I wonder how good this Michigan State team is. Of course, it's still a road game. It's a quality opponent. It's Gavit games. All that stuff is what we credited. But now, you know, three games into the season, and I too got to see, you know, at least chunks of the Gonzaga game against them. And I sat down and was into pretty much every second of that game uh, against Kentucky on Tuesday night. I'm impressed with Michigan State, and uh, we're going to go a lot deeper into them in in just a little bit. Yeah, Tom Izzo, uh, is not showing any signs of slowing down. Let's just just say that. (laughs) Let's just say that. And he's become potentially one of the elder statesmen without Roy Williams and Jay Wright and Coach K. So Tom Izzo has impressed me just off the bat in these first two games too. He's a phenomenal coach. Um, And it, uh, it stuck out how good of a coach he was against Kentucky on Tuesday night with, uh, with some of the, uh, late game strategy that, that they really enacted to be able to claw that game back. And then of course, come out with a win really quickly before we go into their background and all that. Could you be giving the big 10 credit right now? Pat? Is that happening? Every now and then I can throw them a bone. Um, wow. Hey, I'm in, imp- I am impressed with Michigan state. I, I really am with what I've seen so far. So we'll see where that comes where ends up come March. Uh, but I, through the first couple games of this season, just understanding the schedule they've had to play, understanding the schedule they're still yet to play as well. They've got mm-hmm. Alabama. They're in that PK Invitational. They play Notre Dame. Of course, Villanova's on Friday. It, it was a gauntlet for Tom Izzo's guys, and it's been a you know a one-point loss to Gonzaga is their only blemish right now. Yeah, on the last possession. Yeah, I have to imagine this is one of the hardest non-conference schedules 
that any program has. And it's interesting based on how the rest of the conference has looked so far too. Purdue almost lost to Marquette. Illinois has been kind of in the middle. We'll see what Indiana and Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan actually, most importantly, are what they are cracked out to be. But all right. So Pat, before we get into the behind the scenes on Michigan State and what Nova can expect on Friday night, we had some good news today. If you're still reeling over Delaware State and Temple, I think you got a little bit of your confidence back when you heard some of the Nova news that leaked today, Pat, or on Thursday as you're listening or Wednesday as you're listening to this. As we know, you know, so much of college basketball, yes, it's about this here. Yes, it's about the now, but it's also about really establishing sustainability at a program. And that's something that Jay Wright really had humming uh, here at Villanova and, of course, transitioning over to Kyle Neptune. How do you keep that program humming and, and in a good spot? Recruiting is so important of it. And some fair questions have been asked recently about Villanova on both the 2023 and 2024 recruiting trail, which had been rather quiet. And then on Tuesday, we finally had that first development there with Jordan Dumont committing to Villanova as the first member of the class of 2023. And most importantly, Kyle Neptune's first get as head coach of the Wildcats. Yeah, it's a big deal. Before even going into Dumont and who he is and where he comes from, this is Neptune's first recruit as the head coach at Villanova. That's a big deal. And yes, it maybe took longer than we thought. It might not be the headliner that Cam Whitmore or even Mark Armstrong was coming into this uh, this uh, current year. But I'm really excited about it. This has got to be a huge weight off of Neptune's shoulder to get the first one to fall. And you assume they just pick up with some speed at this point now that the first one is out of the way. Exactly. The, the first one, just thinking of Kyle Neptune, the first one is really important to, to yeah. get that commitment and understand, try and build some momentum off of it. Uh, as you said, this is not Cam Whitmore. You know, this is not a five-star uh, lottery pick projected coming in, but he's a player that clearly Villanova has picked out as someone that they think can fit their system. So Dumont originally from Montreal, Canada and played his high school ball in Tennessee. He is a six foot eight small forward. Uh, his junior year in high school averaged 23 points per game to go with nine rebounds and three assists at Hamilton Heights. Christian uh, also played over the summer for team Canada, the U 18 FIBAs where he averaged about nine points per game in 15 minutes. So you know, as we said, not the top, top recruit, but Villanova's not always built on those top, right. top recruits. Uh, and it, it has really led into building the foundation that is Villanova right now. So if you're stressing over the ranking of Jordan Dumont and not being a top 30 recruit in the country, I would say let's take a step back and, and just be uh, excited here that the coaching staff seems to think they found a fit. Yeah, there have been other lower ranked recruits that people have grown to like in this Villanova program. I would oh, say. Does Colin Gillespie ring a bell? Just, <laughs> to, just, to, so, to just recently? <laughs> we can go through many more, but so that's why I say don't sweat it. Uh, so uh, interesting quotes from him as well here. Uh, Villanova is a place where I can get to the next level, be a winner and live up to my full potential and take it to the next level. When I stepped up in the gym, I saw the winning culture, winning spirit, and the coach is really great with me. I can't wait to go. I knew as soon as I got there. And if you're looking for more quotes like that, Check out VUHoops.com. The great Eugene Repay did a fantastic write-up uh, and interview with Jordan. Yeah, as always, Eugene. Um, what struck me about those quotes is that I can't imagine he would have said anything differently if it was Jay Wright instead of Kyle Neptune. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing that these recruits have been saying for the last 10, 20 years 
under Jay Wright. So it's such a testament to the coach Neptune is and how he was able, and the assistant coaches for that matter, how he was able to keep this culture so strong. And also to give Neptune credit, he was the head coach at Fordham. So he did have some recruiting under his belt there, but yeah, this was the, another interesting thing. Dumont plays high school basketball in Tennessee. So we're definitely getting a little bit more across the country than potentially the mid Atlantic region that the Villanova recruits usually come from, but to get the first one out of the way for Dumont to be incredibly excited, seemingly to come to Villanova because he can see himself there and see himself growing in this program. That's exactly what you want to hear from every Villanova recruit. And to Neptune's credit, uh, if memory serves me right, he landed a a pretty, I say high profile relative to Fordham recruit uh, in, in his class, of course, before he did leave there. And then obviously Kyle Neptune was a huge part of recruiting while he was a part of this staff with Jay Wright as the head coach here so it's not to say that Kyle Neptune has never been out on on the recruiting trail before just of course really key to to see him put that first one in the belt there as now the the head man in Villanova and to your point I think a lot of that continuity and culture really does come down to the assistant coaches and I I do want to give credit uh, to Halkovich Nardi and Dwayne Anderson because they are so important to everything that Villanova does here they're so important in helping develop those relationships with these players uh, Villanova is not where they are and on where they are on the recruiting trail without these guys 100% and my last comment is I think Shaq will have a pretty fun time with this new kid 68195 and if you've seen pictures you know that he's probably going to be bulking up this offseason so I'm excited to see what he's going to do and what he's going to look like next year. Welcome to Shaq fit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's going to be great. It's always awesome to to watch these guys come in as freshmen and see where they leave just with the body transformations, working with mm-hmm. the best strength coach in the country. Feel the same way. All right, cool. So that is obviously really, really exciting news. Hopefully you were able to keep up with that on tw- Twitter, our Twitter, VU hoops, Twitter, and then reading the site as well. Now, Pat, let's head into this current year and Michigan state on Friday night. Yeah, so as we have mentioned, and as you may have heard, Villanova will be taking a trip to East Lansing on Friday night as they take part in the Gavit games between the Big East and the Big Ten. Michigan State currently sitting at 2-1 and one with wins over Northern Arizona and just a little bit of a win over Kentucky with, of course, that very close loss to Gonzaga, as we mentioned, on the USS Abraham Lincoln. Uh, they are currently unranked in the polls. However, I guarantee you that shall be changing next week, and they probably shouldn't have been unranked anyway. However, they do come in at number 18 in the Ken Palm rankings, Uh, They do both offense and defense relatively well. Again, referring to Ken Ken Palm at 28th on offense and 15th on defense. Their length really makes them difficult on the defensive side of the ball. And interestingly enough, you know, you think of Jay Wright and Tom Izzo, as you mentioned, two of the really coaching titans in college basketball over the last two decades. These teams have not played since 2002. So it's been 20 years. And that when they did meet, then Villanova took home an 81-273 victory. Interesting. This is not your first time that you've pulled out a 2001 or 2002 last matchup. That's very impressive. I think Delaware State was 2001, maybe? I believe they were 2001. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, the thing that strikes me about Michigan State, and you could not have said this the last few years, honestly, is balance. They are an incredibly balanced team offensively and defensively, and in terms of the personnel they have. They get down the floor quickly. 
They're just as good at shooting. They're just as good on defense. And you can hear it from us. You can hear us talk this entire episode. You can also look at the box score and watch tape of the way they played Gonzaga, who is probably universally the best, if not one of the best, top five at least, programs in the last five years. And they beat the unanimous preseason team of the year with the reigning national player of the year in Oscar Sheway and the Kentucky Wildcats. So they have gone out with a vengeance. Any doubts you might have had over Michigan State in the past few years, Tom Izzo is trying to erase all of them with this non-conference schedule, and it doesn't get any easier against Villanova, even though it's at home, because the name of the program invites a certain amount of media attention and pressure, and I think they'll face that on Friday night. While Michigan State did lose, you know, some key contributors, I, I went back o- over the years and, and I know we talked about it on our season preview. They're still an older team, which mm-hmm. I know Emma and I have talked about it uh, through uh, last year and on this year, how important experience really has become in college basketball, as much as we all love the the young talent. And we talk about young talent um, on this Villanova team plenty, but, you know, they're really led by Hauser Hall, Suzoko and Walker. That's three seniors and a junior with AJ Hogarth behind them as a junior as well. This is a battle-tested team. This is a team that understands what it means to play under Tom Izzo and the system that is involved there. And it's why, especially early in the year, I'm not surprised to see them beat Kentucky because Kentucky is always trying to integrate so many new pieces into it, especially what two, three games into a season. It's difficult to be humming on uh, on all cylinders. That's not the case with the, this Michigan State squad. These guys know each other. They know what they need to do. They know the places they need to be in. And while some guys have stepped into some bigger roles, I'm looking at you, Matty Sissoko, who, my Lord, the uh, progression that he's made year over year, just a couple games and looks incredible. Um, they're, they're all able to accomplish a job that they know they need to get out there and do. Yeah, definitely. And bench play is going to be something that I'm watching on Friday night because they saw more bodies off the bench against Gonzaga. You had Kohler and Brooks and Aikens is, is usually their sixth man, even five minutes for Holloman. Against Kentucky, there was no such leash. Aikens had 27 minutes. The next guy only had nine points. Nobody on the bench besides, or I know, I'm sorry, Aikens had seven, Brooks had two. So they're old, they're experienced. I think almost inherently now that also means they're not very deep. So that'll be interesting to watch. My key thing to watch, I guess, is the way I'll put it just on the, on the top. I think if Villanova loses this game, it will be because they do not look nearly as polished or as experienced as Michigan state. You went into my point perfectly. Villanova is now a young inexperienced team with a new coach you've got leaders in the big three but it's still guys trying to find their identity Michigan State does not have any of those growing pains so early in the season I guess we'll see if Villanova's the you know the younger team I think that's what a lot of what we're looking for is if going into this game you see a little bit more of those young guards the the Brizzyhausen and Armstrong or if in this road environment Neptune rides the older guys and and maybe doesn't Mm. go to them as much. That's one of the things I know that I am a hundred percent keying in on as Kyle Neptune goes into that first really marquee game as head coach here. How does he handle that? You know, who does he trust? Does he take some risks? I think that's all things we can't answer right now. I know I have an inclination of how 
I would do it just based on what we've seen so far. And I think many of you listening know how I would do it based on the last few podcasts, but we don't know it until he really goes out there. So it uh, it's, there's plenty of intrigue as we head into Friday night. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right off the top, do you think, or how has Neptune's risk-taking lived up to your expectations, more or less than you had expected coming into this season? I think he's already starting to take a couple more risks and starting to really let a little bit more of the play on the floor dictate who's out there. We talked about that mm-hmm. a ton on Tuesday where, you know what, Brendan Housen deserved those minutes that he was out there. He he showed that he's going to be able to be a little bit of a spark plug. So let's keep him out there and, and give him a, a decent run, which is exactly what Neptune did, did. My question is, does that now translate over to Friday? You know, Housen hasn't really factored into the rotation too much through those first two games. Do we go into a hostile environment against a team that, you know, it, all things considered should be ranked with a, a coach that is a, a legendary uh, one at that? And do you extend that playing time into that game? Same thing with Mark Armstrong. We saw some additional minutes from Mark Armstrong on Monday night. I would only like to see that grow on Friday, but I wonder if Neptune reverts to playing the seniors, you know, playing a, a Chris Archdiakono in extended minutes because he has played in the NCAA tournament. He's been in these big games and he wants to go more risk averse. Yeah, I wonder, because I know that this is such a big topic that people are talking about. I don't know if just because of Chris, Chris Arch starts, that is Neptune not taking risks. I agree. Or I agree. not following in Jay's footsteps because... It would surprise me if this was the game that he decided to start Mark Armstrong, because I do believe that would be the the option ahead of Brizzy. I just don't, I don't know if that needs to be the one solution. We mentioned that when it came to, to Delaware State. Chris Arch playing less is not going to solve every single problem that Villanova has. <laughs> I get that there's a lot of talk around it, but his playing less is not going to solve every single problem issue that Villanova has and I'm of the mindset and I've always been this way watching basketball that it's nice having a spark plug off the bench and Brizzy and certainly Arch are not going to provide that the way Armstrong can the way Daniels did last year obviously from a different scoring perspective but I expect we see the same starting five I also expect to see the same trajectory that we have been seeing which is Arch's minutes continuing to decrease because Brizzy and Housen and Armstrong are getting better and better, becoming more and more comfortable in the system. So that automatically lets Neptune trust him more, if you're following what I'm saying. Sure. I I think I can agree with part of what you're saying in that I do not care if Chris Archdiakono starts uh, on Friday night. I do care what the minutes distribution looks like at the end of that game. Um, You know, I, I want to see... Mark Armstrong's number, Angelo Brizzy's numbers, Brendan Housen's numbers creeping up and his, you know, decreasing uh, more and more. But I, when it comes to the starting lineup, no, that's probably, this probably isn't the place where you're going to see that switch, but all things considered and how things can turn out, the starting lineup can be more fluff and and glamour. Yeah, it's arbitrary. Exactly. Then what really matters, which is who's out there on the floor. Um, and, and what moments are those guys out there on the floor? That's what I care most about on Friday. And that's where I would still like to see this thing, at least in my humble opinion, uh, trending in a, in a different direction. 
Yeah, Oscar Sheway came off the bench against Michigan State. So if we're drawing comparisons there. He's still no, flexing I, I, to the crowd and letting Michigan State walk by. Oh him my to God. Tie the game. That that was insane. One last point on Chris Arch and playing time. I do think we're going to see significant differences in his playing time because his defects on defense will not show any more clear than they will in this game. They have not shown any more clear against the defenses that we've played already than they will against Michigan State. Their offense is ridiculously explosive at times. I mean, if you watched the end of the first overtime, the play that Michigan State ran, I don't can't even remember how many so- how many seconds were on the shot clock, but they dunked it as the buzzer was sounding. They were able to cross the court and dunk it on the other end to send it into double overtime. And they ended up winning by nine points. They ran away with it at the end. So I don't think Chris Arch has a leash on defense. I think it will be clear quickly that if Villanova can't stand on its own defensively, Michigan State will run away with this game in the first 10 minutes. That that inbounding play was exactly what I was referencing at the beginning of the show, which is the the strengths of having a coach like Tom Izzo, because yeah. it was it caught Kentucky completely off guard and gave them an easy bucket um, at the rim. But yeah, you, you got to look at these guards for Michigan State in, in Hogard, Akins, and, and Tyson Walker. All can hurt you. None of them are great shooters. Akins can most certainly hurt you a little bit from deep. Same with Walker. Hogard is is more of a driver. Um, but there's athleticism all around. There's some quickness and. As we said, they are battle-tested uh, as well. So the, the guards are most certainly a, a big part of what to watch here for Michigan State. Do you expect more zone against Michigan State or the same amount we've been seeing? I do think you're going to see zone against Michigan State. And why I think you're going to see zone is that they are not a particularly lethal team from beyond the arc. So I think mm-hmm. that gives you more of an opportunity to try and clog some of the lanes and cause some traps inside and force some turnovers in that way. Their biggest three-point threat is a name that we know Big East fans are very familiar with and Joey Hauser, of course, the former Marquette forward. It's kind of been a hot and cold start for Hauser to start the season so far, 18 points against Northern Arizona, only two against Gonzaga followed it up with 23 on a really great performance um, against Kentucky. He's made four threes in the uh, Kentucky game, as well as the Northern Arizona game. But if you look further than that, they're not super dangerous. They're, they're shooting about 31% from beyond the arc so far this season. So not a team that's going to really, you know, burn you in, in too many ways, from out there, they will thrive off of trying to get their guards in the lane using that quickness. And then, of course, exploiting uh, Maddie Suzoko, who, as we talked about, is mm. an absolute beast. And Malik Hall was so impressive against Kentucky as well as as not a true you know center type, but more of a, a hybrid big man. Yeah, so shooting won't kill Villanova unless Michigan State absolutely goes off from the from beyond the arc. But this is going to be our first real opportunity to see how Eric Dixon fares against a true center because Suzuka went against Sheboy and Michigan State won this game so if that's any indication of how good this big man is he finished with 16 points he was five for 10 from the floor so he's efficient he's good at the free throw line he rebounds a lot he also is he had three steals against he can run yeah so he's he's flexible he's mobile three turnovers as well so Michigan State could definitely turn the ball over and that could turn in Villanova's favor. That's the only thing that worries me about the zone a little bit is that Suzoko matchup. 
you do not want to give him any easier looks than necessary down low. And also on the offensive end for Nova, if Dixon is neutralized, like Shibwe, I mean, he obviously wasn't neutralized. He had 22 points, but Kentucky had to score to win. And towards the end of the game, they weren't able to do that. Is that the same question or the same statement we're going to be saying about Villanova after this game? If Dixon is neutralized, can Villanova shoot? Over the past two games, they haven't given the indication that they can. Hopefully this is the game where that switches because Suzuko is going to pose some serious threats. I'm looking at you, Brandon Slater. This is a perfect yeah. game to to really try and step up here on the offensive side. But if you're looking for Matty Sissoko and trying to quantify the leap forward that he's already taken through three games this year, so far this season, he has scored 34 points. A season ago, in 30 games, he scored 33 points. So he has already eclipsed wow. his number from a year ago here. And, you know, talking about defense and, and talking about his zone, I think it's so key for Villanova to try and do some things a little differently uh, on defense and talked about it on Tuesday. I would love to see some more pressure here uh, when they have more of the athletes out there on the floor with a little bit of a press, but Villanova currently is ranked 274th in the country in defensive turnover percentage. They are not mm. turning teams over at all. Teams are way too comfortable uh, playing against them and, and getting into their offensive sets here. So I want to see Nova ramp, ramp up pressure a little bit. Michigan State turned the ball over 18 times on Tuesday against Kentucky. Yes, that number, of course, goes up when you play two overtimes. Uh, there's a lot more time to turn that ball over. But I want to see them be a little bit more aggressive here and push the envelope. We have not seen like any of Villanova running in transition. I'm not yeah. sure we can go into this game on Friday and expect that to really flip a switch, but I'd love to see them at least try and get themselves in some positions to be able to run and try and stretch the floor a little bit because, you know, it, the offense has not been in a great groove, just setting things up in the half court. So uh, again, I, I think Kyle Neptune has shown he is open to experimenting with things. We're talking about rotation. They're throwing in a zone. So it doesn't seem like a one size fits all, which I find is a positive here. I just, I wonder how much of it will go into effect on Friday. Yeah, it's funny because the potential of the zone in creating and helping creating turnovers was what was so exciting about it to me at the beginning, thinking that the guards could get a hand in there and then somebody like Slater would be able to pick it up and throw it down to whoever down low and score in transition. And it's even less than last year, and you couldn't even classify last year's team as extremely athletic. This team is much more athletic than that, and they are not pushing the pace or playing playing in transition at all. So I mentioned the depth. Maybe that's another weakness that you can try to, to exploit, the fact that Michigan State isn't super, super deep. If you can tire those starters out, especially after all five starters played more than 33 minutes and three of them played more than 40 minutes, mm -hmm. they will not have fresh legs on Friday night, even though they are at home. But yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think... I wouldn't be surprised to see that three-quarter court press at the beginning. There probably will be another quick leash on it because the last thing Kyle Neptune wants to do with just how explosive this Michigan State offense can be is let them get too much of a lead because if that shooting is cold again, then you're really letting Michigan State get into a groove. We'll see if it lasts, meaning the press for more than one possession. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's a it low bar, online. Pat. It's a low bar. It certainly is. And you're right on Michigan State, especially when it comes to experience. 
coming off their bench. What is interesting is they have two four-star freshmen in Jackson Kohler and Trey Holloman who have not had too much of an impact thus far this season, but a it's early. Um, and B we know that there is some talent there with them being highly regarded. So it it's not, you know, set in something you feel trustworthy for, but you're looking for spark plugs. As you mentioned, there is, there are a couple options on that Michigan state bench. And I, I think those two will only grow here. I think as you can tell, as I talk more and more, I, I really like this Michigan state team yeah. moving forward. They, they are solidly built um, and have been super impressed with what I've seen. And this is not the way I expected this preview to go two weeks ago. No, not even close. No, they, they've really, uh, elevated what i thought of them coming into the season yeah another eric dixon foul trouble game potentially he has to stay away from creating bad fouls because yeah, it can't happen it's a mismatch it's a mismatch for him against Zoko. imagine the mismatch if it's slater or patterson or Njoku down low so that cannot happen he has to stay tight he is a huge key to this game him being able to be a factor offensively but he can not force any bad fouls to limit his playing time at all because Nova's going to rely on him heavily heavily yeah he's been the key on offense I mean he's averaging over 18 points a game and again we talked about it earlier in the week where he's been the fail safe you know when they have to get a bucket they've gone down to him and said Eric put that shoulder down and go up with that left hand and and score for us now of course we'll see how often they're that's able to come through especially again against Tom Izzo that I feel pretty strongly is going to come in with the game plan, understanding that that has been Villanova's most effective way to score thus far this season, which is why I think you're going to need to see Caleb Daniels really perform on Friday night. If you want to see Villanova in this game, if you want to see Villanova have a chance to win it and to do that, I think they're going to have to move Daniels off ball and and try Mm. to get him some shots, run him off screens and get him in set plays for him to try and create some offense because he has struggled in creating his own shot uh, thus far. And I think Caleb playing off ball and Mark Armstrong getting more time go hand in hand. Oh, because that's all I want. Chris Arch is just not as good of a, of a facilitator as Armstrong is. And we can see that after three games. So I, I really hope that's the case. And that's exactly what you were teeing up. If Caleb is going to go off, it's because he's off ball and it's because Mark Armstrong is playing point. That's it. Just a hunch. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and then y- you mentioned it with the balance, and just to further supplement that point for you, uh, they have four players currently on their team, averaging over ten points a game right now, which I think really shows how Michigan State can hurt you in a bunch of different ways. How surprised would you be if I told you that Villanova also has four players averaging over 10 points a game? No way. Yeah. Wow, as as much as we talk about the offensive struggles, and there most certainly have been, Eric Dixon, Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, and Jordan Longino clocks in at 10 points a game to yes. get over that, to bring uh, Villanova to four players over uh, averaging over 10 points a game. The issue is it just falls off, off after there with Armstrong mm-hmm. at five and, and Housen at three and a half, you know, win very limited minutes. Um, but I know it surprised me when I was comparing the two and and first understanding where Michigan State can hurt you from so many ways. And then, you know, Nova, at least statistically, um, has the can boast the same thing. Yeah. Another thing I'm going to be watching, I don't even have some genius thought about it, but in terms of different ways Michigan State can beat you. They started off really strong against Gonzaga and they couldn't finish. They they lost on that last possession because 
Drew Timmy took over the game in the second half, and they did not look look nearly as sharp as they did in the first half. Against uh, against Kentucky, though, they started off slower. Kentucky beat them in the first quarter, but they finished really strong, mm-hmm. just running away with it in double overtime. So just another aspect of what Tom Izzo can do. They can operate at both ends. They can play to your speed if you want them to, but then they're conserving energy and they look really strong at the end versus starting out really strong and trying to leave a team in the dust. And unfortunately, Villanova just does not have a player like Drew Timmy to completely take over Hmm. a game in the second half. So that's something I'll be watching. Hopefully Villanova can have its own agency a little bit and dictate instead of letting Michigan State dictate how they play. And I can come out strong there too and say Villanova has to start this game strong you know with what we've seen against Temple and Delaware State with just some very very poor first 10 to 13 minutes in these games I in a game like this on the road against a quality opponent it's very difficult to rebound if Villanova say has seven points at the nine minute mark it's just you're asking a lot at that point so I want to see the Cats really get into a bit of a rhythm much faster because it's been very stagnant um, thus far. So I want to see some more movement. I want to see some ball movement. I want to see Villanova try and penetrate. It feels like Mm. there's been so much dribbling around the three-point line and really struggling to, uh, to run some motion inside, whether it be, you know, working it inside to Dixon and having him run a little bit of a point forward here and trying to find cutters slashing to the rim, which they most certainly have in a Daniel Slater and Longino whether it's running more pick and roll, something we haven't seen too much from Villanova. It's been a lot of picks around the three-point line and then pick and pop with a guy trying to spot up then from three as an option. Uh, there, there are just a couple things on offense that I would like to see change to get them off to a faster start and find some easy buckets because easy buckets have been very difficult for Villanova to come by early in the game these past two. Yeah, and the, the staple guard backing down the big man hasn't been as much of a thing this year. I miss that too. We know how good Caleb is at it, but... I'd like to see some more backing down in the post too. Yeah. The personnel is just not the same for the back yeah. down. That's it. Caleb can, but I I just don't know if you can see it from any other guards as currently constituted. Totally. It's, it's too early to say that. And I know that temple fans, if they're listening, won't be thrilled to hear me say this, but this is the first true toxic road environment that Villanova will play in. I know that temple was cool with the storming of the court, but from everything I saw on Twitter, it didn't seem like their arena was very full when they Shots played Villanova. This will be a full arena, a Friday night game. I believe it's an eight o'clock tip. It, this is going to be an insane game to watch. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait. It's a nice way to end the week to have some premier college basketball. Are you ready to go into predictions? Yeah, let's do it. I unfortunately am going back on my preseason prediction that Villanova was going to come away with the win. As am I. Uh, I just think <laughs> for, for, from what we've seen from both of these teams so far, it's, you know, I, I, we've just talked a ton about Michigan State and all they bring it. And Villanova has most certainly raised some question marks. So, no, yeah. I do not think that this game you know, is lending itself where, oh, Villanova is going to get blown out. They could, you know, with the talent that, that Michigan State have as, and it being a road game. But I think Villanova's in this thing. I just, I'm not sure they're going to be able to overcome um, the Spartans and, and all that they're able to bring right now. I'm very interested to see what the spread comes out to be. Because um, I know oh, we, we don't have that right now. But I bet it's like 
seven and a half or eight and a half somewhere i had nine there. nine and a half was my guess yeah i think under 10 i also don't think it's going to be a blowout i think there is a chance if villanova and specifically daniels shoot the way that they did against LaSalle at the beginning if they start out really really hot and their defense is better than we've seen all season maybe they have a chance but i do think michigan state just has the more talented roster at the current moment they're old they're experienced they're already grooving this has already been a bumpy road for Villanova so I think especially at home Michigan State has the advantage and deservedly so and it'll be on Villanova to be the hunter which hasn't been this way for a while but maybe it provides some some motivation for the younger players too to try and get back to into the top 25 rankings and climbing Ken Palm and just continuing to look better on offense and defense but which which uh, side of the ball, offense or defense, do you want to see more progress from on Friday? Offense. I don't think we've seen yeah. much on offense thus far this season. I, I need to see some rhythm there. I know defense is usually the foundation, and it's where I love to focus my time because I really think that's how great teams are built. But I, I need to see more, just more flow um, and, and more ways to score than what we've seen so far. Yeah, you've got to see them put up more than than 60 points. I would be a little bit concerned, though, given how prone, how turnover prone Michigan State is, if Villanova can't force a few turnovers. That would make me worried. It would definitely like to see that that ramp up a little more. Yeah. All right. So I think we're in agreement. We don't think it's going to be as easy as a of a non-conference schedule as we initially thought before this team hit the court. But Michigan State is also a lot better than any of us saw coming into the season so we've gotten under we've got a single digit loss to Villanova how's that I mean to Michigan State I'm I yeah I I think that's I that's my where I lean right now but don't cat the cats out I I think they most certainly can find a way to win this game just advantage certainly goes to Sparty yep feel the same way feel the same way should we transition to some whoop around the Big East action it's been a big week for the Big East, or it is a big week for the Big East with the Gava game, so why not? Yeah, the Big East is looking pretty good, considering <laughs> the, uh, looks all the, right. <laughs> the talent of some of the teams. Okay, so the Georgetown game I'm just throwing out because, oh my God, you watch that game to watch the circus, not to actually watch any true college basketball talent, bad. which is harsh, but it's bad. I mean, the only highlight i saw i didn't watch the game live i saw the highlight and then it proceeded to look further into it because there was that highlight of the ball just going around yes, and around the, the and like around 25 second stretch of just <laughs> yeah like your, nobody can grab possession of the ball. it was fourth graders um trying to go up and down to to go for a layup and no one can hold on to it or make it oh, yeah it was it was some bad stuff um yeah but i i guess the game that's sticking out of my mind is how how well marquette stayed in the game against Purdue a five-point loss 75 to 70 they were up at half and I Marquette continue since Shaka Smart took over I think they continue to be the team that everybody overlooks in the offseason they were ranked I think in the bottom four in the preseason rankings big preseason conference rankings if I remember correctly they're probably not a tournament team but people are counting Marquette out. And so far they've looked like they can at, at the bare minimum stick around against good teams. I thought they were going to struggle this year. I still think they're going to struggle this year, but 
as you said, Shaka does such a nice job at really maximizing the talent and trying to find ways in, in which they can force turnovers and make things tricky and get their scores into good opportunities. I do really like Cam Jones, and I think he's going to continue to develop into a very solid player here. Purdue, as we know, it's such a strong program with Matt Painter there, you know, one of the better coaches in the country. And what are you going to do going up against Zach Eady is, is really the question. Right. It's, there, there is no one that can really match up with him. Uh, 20 points, 13 boards, three blocks. Uh, Ho-hum for the seven four <laughs> center for uh, from Purdue. Yeah, so Iowa Seton Hall is playing now as we speak. Iowa is up just slightly, though, and then you get some of the really key matchups on Thursday and Friday night. Nebraska-St. John's is one I'll be watching. Yep. Nova-Michigan State is probably the headliner, but Indiana Xavier has a lot of people buzzing because this is Sean Miller's first chance to show how good this program can be in his first year. Xavier's going to win that game. Book it. You think? Yep. I think Indiana's probably a little overrated. uh, They normally are. Um, But I, I, we talked about on the preview. I'm very high on Xavier this year. I think this is kind of the first uh, flag in the ground type moment for, for Sean Miller here where he he beats Indiana and and things start going for them. Agree. Agree. At home too. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. And but, it's at six o'clock, so you can watch the whole game and then transition right to Villanova. That's the plan. Yeah. Marquette All right, Long you got Island anything University else? As well on Thursday. Yeah, night. that's right. You should be shout out to LIU. Mark your calendars, people. LIU. I'll always give a, a shout out to to back home. So. <laughs> you got anything else before we do our mailbag? I, I think that's it for the the week on the Big East. But, of course, love Gavit games. Um, really enjoyable. And then for Wednesday night, it's not Big East, but Gonzaga, Texas is a late tip. Oh, yeah. Um, I probably will not see all of that game, but I will see no. some of it, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, that'll be another key matchup. Texas has a lot of those, too. So I'm excited for their guard play specifically. That'll be fun. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm ready for some questions if you are. Let's do it. We've gotten so many. Pat and I are always so appreciative of this. We've gotten so many questions as a whole on this season so far. So many new people are usuals like normal, but we're just so appreciative of everybody reaching out and not even when we specifically ask, just after games. Always feel free to do that. We love talking to everybody on Twitter and we love having this segment because it allows us to go in different directions out of our structure and routine of what we want to talk about. So Thank you again, and keep it coming. Yeah, Pat, send them. Start us off. I say send them our way because even if they come when we don't ask for them on the Wednesdays, we just file them away. Um, so we yeah. can we can try and hit on them. But we'll start it off with John Paul May. He's saying hot take: we are better with Armstrong and Brizzy slash Housen as four and five. What are your thoughts? I think John, because we've been doing this for so long, I can say that that is an overreaction to Monday night's game. I don't think Hausen is a key part of this rotation. I think he is just a hot hand off the bench in the future. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Mm -hmm. I just think he is so young. He has such a pure shot, but defensively, he just can't keep up at this time. So we're only going to see him in that role. And if honestly, if that's what the role is, by all means, play it or draw plays for him out of every timeout. That, That would be perfectly fine with me. And based off the reaction he got, at the fin, that would be perfectly fine with everybody else. I think we're going to see more Arch than than Brizzy as well at this point of the season. And the point guard by committee, I think, 
will continue until somebody like Armstrong just continues to blow away until Neptune has no chance but to trust him to play him all the time. Give me as much Mark Armstrong as possible is yeah. uh, is my on there. Just he's already proving, starting to prove himself as a reliable on ball defender, and I think we can see with kind of the dribble penetration uh, and the ability to to step out and hit a three as well that I really like his game. I am with you that I think Brizzy and Hausen right now are, are still more bench options. Hausen, just the fact that he made that impact on Monday still really stands out to me because if you remember, I really thought he was going to be, you know, not factoring in to this rotation mm-hmm. all that much this year. Um, So I'm intrigued to see how his role goes. I still think Angelo Brizzy has an opportunity to really carve out some time for him this year. I know defensively it hasn't been so hot, which is why he hasn't hit that consistent minute mark so far but he's still been out there you know a, a decent amount more so let's say than he would have been a year or two ago just with, totally. with how jay coached so something to watch but i need more and more mark armstrong that is for sure 100 100 percent. yes second question nana got yanked very quickly in game one has not appeared in two or three what are your thoughts on his future yeah you can take this one first i'm curious what you think sure so one. I'm a little disappointed um, in how this has started off with him. I believe that we would see some more Nana, just understanding that that front court depth really isn't solidified, especially with, with Cam Whitmore out right now. I think what that tells you, especially as Neptune has experimented um, and played some of the the younger guys and played them at extended minutes, that he's just not there yet to, to even mm-hmm. trust him to go on the floor, which I think is disappointing, but I think we can also continue to give him a, a little bit more time here to to figure things out. I would like to see some more Nana just because he brings such a different thing to this team than mm-hmm. as it is currently constituted, but I'm not ready to panic on that end yet. Yeah, our expectations were probably a little high going into the season if we were talking were. about Yeah, if we were talking about rotations with him and Dixon, uh, that is definitely not the case at this point of the season. It's funny, though, because it's not like we've gotten enough of a sample on the court to see him and think, oh, man, no way. He is not (laughs) ready at all. So it really must be what you just said. Something behind the scenes in practice is showing that he's not ready. Maybe he's not fully healthy, even though we think that right now. You never know what's going on. So I agree. Definitely not raising any alarm bells. It's more of a bummer than this team is truly hurting without him on the court. And you just hope that from a development perspective, it just continues upward and upward for him. We'll be watching it. Uh, Question comes in from Vega. Is Longino healthy enough to expect him to score double figures every game? Oh, you take this one too, because I know you're excited about this one. I I am. And as we know, I do love me some Jordan Longino and I'm, uh, I'm very excited for his potential here. I'm not sure that it wasn't health wise. I think, yeah, we, we are seeing that he's been healthy. I, I think it's fair to have some concerns and wonder if that knee will pop up in, in a soreness type factor to see him miss a little time, understanding that he did have the surgery earlier this year, but to expect he's averaging 10 points a game right now, but to expect him to drop double figures every game, I'm not sure I'm there yet for him. I think he's still coming into a groove with his offensive abilities. I think he's, as we talked about, still needs to work on his defensive discipline to not get into foul trouble. Mm -hmm. And I want to see him continue to expand kind of his arsenal in in getting to the rim uh, because he has so much explosiveness. He has so much athleticism. I want to see him use that and really try and finish around the rim a little more than we've seen thus far this season. So if he can, I think that is a phenomenal uh, development for Villanova. It's a, 
decent enough early sign that he's at 10 points a game through three games, but I'm not there yet where I can say I expect him to do it night in and night out. Yeah, it's definitely a sneaky 10 points a game. If I hadn't looked at those stats and I wouldn't have said that he was that high, but it's obviously very good to see. Similar to Slater, I think driving and playing around the rim should become his bread and butter and then having the threat of a shot will take his game to the next level. I think that's what he should ease into. I also think against better defenses than what Nova has seen so far, that scoring production will probably decrease. But I don't, I think right now Nova is asking more from him defensively and hopefully tempo wise than they are on relying on 10 points from Jordan Longino. Because I actually think if Nova is relying on 10 points from Jordan Longino, they are not in a good spot offensively. Nothing against Jordan Longino. He just should not have to bear the brunt of the offensive pressure like Dixon, Slater, and Daniels should. But I actually think we don't talk about Longino enough, and I think that's a compliment to him because he didn't, I mean, the amount of time we spoke about him last year and what his role should have been on that team, he started this year. It maybe would have been different if Moore and Whitmore were healthy, but he seamlessly integrated into that starting lineup and there haven't been any issues so far and that's really impressive he should have played more last year but i digress uh yeah <laughs> uh sean asked a couple questions some that that we've already kind of gotten to so i'll just point out with one because uh, i know we're moving to because it's, it's an interesting question at what point of the season is it fair to criticize kyle neptune oh that's a great question yeah interesting i'll start with I it think- Oh, go on, go for it. I, I, I was just going to say a random timeline. I think midway through conference play, if there isn't a clear-cut rotation, then you can start wondering what Kyle Neptune's doing. What do you think about that? I, I think it's fair. I really think you have to wait until the new year um, before you yeah. can even start going for it. For A, for us to work up a sample size to even look at and be allow for some time for things to be tinkered with and changed. Mm -hmm. If we see a team that as we stand right now on November 16th is dealing with the same issues on January 16th, and we haven't seen some players change some things or, or step forward. I think you can start to say, Hey, it's not exactly where I expected it. I think it also really has to be stated that again, this is a new coach in a transition year with a lot of really top talent gone and currently missing his top two players. It takes time to lay this foundation down. It takes time to mold this team to what this, what the head coach wants. It takes time for player progression. So college basketball, especially it is so difficult to rate a coach on one season, especially one season during his first season. Now it's always nice when those results are really good early on, but especially with something like this, I struggle to jump to conclusions and I struggle to try and hold him to the same standards that Villanova has been at the last couple of years, as much as we all want it to be there. I, I don't think it's totally fair to keep him there as of right now. No, it's definitely not because of the personnel too. And I'm even thinking, looking at Villanova's schedule, there is going to be a lot of overreaction if and when Villanova loses to good teams in conference. If Villanova drops to Xavier, UConn, and Creighton, if those games happen to be three in a row, that's not that big of a deal because those teams are 
top 20 teams in the country, if not better in the future. Creighton is projected to be a Final Four team if everything goes right. So you've got to take everything in perspective here. It's got to be a very holistic approach, which is extremely hard to do when you're watching the team potentially lose to Delaware State. But there are good teams in conference. This is not as efficient of a team as last year. There would have been different expectations if Jay Wright was still the coach with this current roster without Whitmore and more. So there's a lot that goes into it. That being said, I think that timeline of midway through conference play or really any t- if we're not seeing at least progress in the right direction, then you can start to wonder. But you definitely have to give all first-year coaches some leeway in their first year. Can always question can always can always you know think of how we can do things differently but i, I think it's hard to make any judgments uh yeah. early on. yeah criticize yeah a couple questions came in uh from jason and villanova fan around chris archdiacono and his role i think we've talked about that plenty on, on this show and, and the one before so not gonna not gonna fully go into it because i think you've gotten your answer on how we feel there so <laughs> we can wrap up then with three questions from jerry as we send it into the weekend here question one what upcoming opponent are you looking forward to the least i love how that's framed um oklahoma or michigan state it's Michigan State and a runaway for me. Not even close. I yeah. v- Villanova, I, I can beat Oklahoma and can do so at the Wells Fargo Center in a crowd that I think will be very, very cool. We just spent a whole podcast talking to you about Michigan State. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the way you said it, Michigan State shouldn't have been unranked. I would be surprised if they're outside the top 12 coming into next week. I think they're that good. I think CBS was saying they'd, they'd rank them in a top five. Uh, Gary Parrish really? was saying that earlier today. Yeah. So, wow. uh, not sure I, I'd go there, I, but I would, very I would good. not go there just as a disclaimer, but yes, I agree with you. They're top 15 for sure. They might even be top 10. Um, yeah. question two, will we continue to see our freshmen get more minutes as the season goes on? Definitely. That's, that's, I think actually a good way to sum up all of the, th- the thoughts that we've had and the things we've said, you can question, you can criticize down the stretch. If you feel so inclined, the bottom line is the freshmen will play. At this point, they might not play as much as you want, but unlike last year, Neptune doesn't have a choice. The freshmen will play. Armstrong will play, and when Whitmore comes back, he will be the star of this team until Justin Moore returns. So it's exciting. It's cool that we have these freshmen to work with and that they've all pretty much exceeded expectations, which is another impressive thing. But you're only going to see those minutes go up because you can view Chris Archidiacono as the experienced vet and the freshmen are the ones that have something to prove. In Neptune's mind, Chris Arch doesn't have anything to prove. He's already started on this team. It's on Mark Armstrong to show that he is the lead facilitator and he can allow the rest of the team to groove offensively because he is the one making the plays from the point. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we will most certainly see Mark Armstrong's minutes tick up. I believe Angelo Brizzy will see a, a minutes tick up. I'm going to be watching Brendan Housen yeah. and wondering how many minutes he will end up. And as you said, of course, Cam Whitmore, once he returns, will collect heavy minutes uh, and most likely in the starting lineup. Totally. One final question coming in from Jerry as we close things out, because we are getting ready for Thanksgiving. What is your family tradition for Thanksgiving? Are you involved in meal prep and or cleanup? He always gives us such a good one. He always leaves us three. And the third one is always so personal and fun. I I love it. I know. So my 
Thanksgiving transition. Uh, transition. I'm too into basketball, Pat. <laughs> Work on that transition offense. Come on. <laughs> uh, we run the turkey trot in the morning, so I'll be doing that oh, on Thursday nice. morning, which I'm excited about. We always watch a lot of football, and then unfortunately, to my dismay, I'm part of the cleanup crew, which I really hate. I would rather be part of the meal prep, but I'm always <laughs> I'm always stuck with cleaning at the end. What about you? No, that's fair enough. Uh, for Thanksgiving, I will be heading home to Long Island, which I am excited for uh, to spend it with the family. As you said, sports are a huge part uh, of what we do on Thanksgiving. It's been really nice having Villanova play on Thanksgiving yeah. the last couple of years. They will do so again this year. Uh, for me especially, there's also the World Cup on Thanksgiving. And as a massive mm-hmm. soccer fan, that's going to be a special one. Uh, in for meal prep and cleanup, um, I can I bring beer. Um, so that is my contribution. Uh, I am a miserable cook. Um, and I am very lucky to have the best mom in the world that makes a phenomenal Thanksgiving dinner. So um, that's very nice. I will contribute by, uh, by bringing some beer for us to drink, uh, instead. And your personality. Don't count that out. Oh, wow. You just made my day right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so l- looking forward to it. Always a good holiday. And we have Nova Hoops on Thanksgiving. So um, pretty pumped. Yeah, and it works out perfectly. So we will have a preview episode on Tuesday for the Phil Knight Invitational. And that will be our only episode that week. So that following Tuesday, we will have a recap of that whole Invitational, which works out pretty well scheduling wise. Going to be a big week. Yeah, just just as Emma said, one episode next week um, where we'll go through everything that uh, Villanova could potentially go through um, and then get to react to it all uh, the following week as no weekday games that, uh, yeah. that next week after Thanksgiving, getting ready just for the big one against Oklahoma at Wells Fargo that I already cannot wait to be at. So I know uh, we're, getting, we're there. getting into it. We mm-hmm. are getting into it. I'm excited. And we'll be in December. Conference play will only start a couple weeks after that. So wild. Also why it's important for the cats to get on track because uh, that yep. game against St. John's going to come up a lot faster than any of us, uh, any oh, of yeah. us think. Oh yeah. And St. John's is knocking on the door people. They NCAA tournament birth this year. I'll, I'll keep banging on that drum until yeah, you called it until the drum uh, gets broken, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> No, but, it's it's really good stuff. It feels like we had a little bit of a slog, not even through the big five, but Delaware State, and that did not turn out to be the slog that we hoped it would be. So hopefully Villanova can turn things around, and then worst case, we're just going to see some really good opponents coming up too. So hopefully Villanova can really start out strong against Michigan State, turn that into a good game, surprise some people, and climb their way back up the rankings. That's my expectation and hope at least. Let's do it. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out vuhoops.com for plenty of content all season long. Follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Hope everyone has a great end to the week. Enjoy the game on Friday night. Go Cats and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.